Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Chagiga, daf Yudalad, page 14. Um, Yerdena, I think we're about halfway done. Yes, we are. We're, we're really getting there. Uh, we're going to have some CM information soon, and hope uh, our learners are thinking about what they want to say about Chagiga and what they want to say about uh, Moed. All of Moed, wow. Okay, um, I want to note that these dapim, and we've been saying this throughout Chagiga, right? Even though we've got, you know, the, the mitzvah of Ria being interesting in its own right, there are so many fascinating, important discussions that are more obscure, some esoteric, some philosophical, right, in the pages of Chagiga. I've already said that I wonder if this is, you know, in some ways a wrap-up of Moed. Not exactly a wrap-up, but they're not talking about the holidays per se. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, topics that we weren't sure where to put. Here they are in a Chagiga. But the advantage of that, I think, is that there are very many, very fascinating topics. So I want to note that we have here opening, at the, really at the top of the daf, Amr um, Shmuel Lechia Bar Rav. So Shmuel is talking to Chia, the son of Rav, meaning Rav, who is very often paired with Shmuel, right? So Shmuel is talking to, I want to say it's like his nephew, right? Meaning they're not siblings, it's just that they... Shmuel and Rav and Shmuel are so often bar plugta that they so often debate. It makes sense to me that there would be a conversation to take, that takes place between Shmuel and Rav's son. Bar Arya, ta emalacha milta mahani mile maaliuta dahava amar avucha. Says, son of great ones, come and I will tell you something of what of the great things that your father used to say. Um, kol yoma viyoma. Nivrain dinur. Because every day, each and every day, the Malachesharet, the ministering angels, were created from the river Dinor. The Amri Shira Uvatli. And they would each day they would sing a song to God. And then Vatli, then they would be kind of literally canceled, right? They would stop existing. Uh, and the reason or the proof text for this is from Echa, where it says that every day there are new and great is your faithfulness, God's faithfulness, right? The idea here is that they each day they are new, there has to be a a new malach, a new angel each morning, I suppose. Upligid Reb Shmuel Barnachmani. And this is a, this view it disagrees with that of Reb Shmuel Barnachmani, who is known or we know him to be, you know, really an exceptionally an exceptional darshan, right? He very often um, explicates agadic passages. Um, you know, he's known for that. The Amar of Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Kol Dibor V'Dibor Shiyotzei Mi Pia Kadosh Baruch Hu Nivra Mimenu Malach Echad. Every so, according to Rashmul Bar Nachmani, each and every um, word that came out of God's mouth uh, created an angel. Because literally by word, right? With the words, God created the heavens, right? Which brings us back to the beginning of this parak, right? About creating the heavens of the earth. Um, and by his breath, all of their host, meaning everything that is in the creation was made by God's dibor, by his speech. And then that means, right? What are the hosts of the heaven? Um quite literally, I suppose we would say that it's the angels, right, who are then created from the mouth of God and not the river Dinor, right? It's a it's a divine thing as opposed to a, I don't know what, an automatic natural type of thing. 
Um, I just want to note the children in Israel and maybe children in Jewish schools everywhere are taught often enough that when you make a blessing, when you make a blessing over food, and then when you say amen, every time you say amen, um, I believe this is the, the story, every time you say amen, an angel is created. Now, that comes from this kind of statement, right? Meaning, I, I don't know if we're going to find that in Midrash or in the Gemara at some point as well, but here we see quite literally God's debor, God speaking, creating angels. Um, okay. The Gemara goes on and, you know, wants to try to fix this, to to get these views um, to reconcile with each other. And we're not going to worry about this exactly. Um, I'm not so worried about it. So we're going to move on. The next bit, and this is what I think is gets, again, very interesting in terms of we've also seen here a good number of interactions about uh, interactions between Chazal themselves, which are reflective of, you know, the dynamics and relationships between them. Um we have here a verse. Let me just find the right place here. Um, the problem is that I kind of need to read the previous part to get to this part. The bottom line is that we're talking about two different thrones. So I'm going to say it outside in the interest of time. We're talking about two different thrones that one th- and verses that attested to the thrones. One throne is in fiery flames, right? And then the thrones are placed to you know, it seems that they're placed together. One throne is for God and one throne is for David HaMelech. Um, and then this, so, and then the Gemara says, um, Rabbi Akiva. this is Rabbi Akiva's position, right? That one throne is for God and one throne is for David HaMelech. And Rabbi Amarlo, Rabbi Yosei Akiva, Rabbi Yosei says to him, Akiva, Admat, and he, not Rabbi Akiva, right? Akiva by his, just by his first name. Admatai Ataoset Shechina Chol. This is how long are you going to make the divine presence um, every day, mundane, profane, right? That you're just turning God into like a a workaday type of thing. Because really, the thrones, the two thrones are both gods. One is for judgment and one is for righteousness. Meaning, don't think that God and David HaMelech are sitting on thrones on the equal level. But part of what I love about this is, you know, Rabbi Kiva is our master of halacha. Yerdin, you talked about this a couple of days ago, that he would, um, in contrast to Rabbi Yishmael, he, he would take, he would find details of halacha in each crown of the letter, right? And then when it comes, comes to Agadah, when it comes to interpretation that is not halachic, Rabbi Kiva is not only here, he is he is often enough rebuked for for not having the best interpretation. You know, until when are you going to make God mundane or profane is a very strong indictment of this interpretation. It's not just saying, oh, I have another view, right? It's a it's a rebuke to Rabbi Akiva. And I always wonder, you know, at what point in Rabbi Akiva's learning journey were the, because we know that he had a very long learning journey begun in adulthood, at what point were these statements made? Um, you know, the, the fact that he's not calling him Rabbi Akiva might be suggestive that he didn't yet have smicha, or it might just be that they're peers enough that there's no reason that he wouldn't just call him by his name, or by the very fact that he's going to be, you know, dressing him down, so he's not calling him Rebbe. But in any case, and so then the Gemara says, Kiblamine or lo kiblamine? Did Rebbe Kiva accept this, you know, this rebuke? Tashma, achad ladin v'achad ladzaka, divrei Rebbe Kiva. And then we have a breita elsewhere that says specifically in the name of Rebbe Kiva that the thrones were, in fact, one for judgment and one for righteousness. 
in the name of Rabbi Akiva. Amr lo Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah. And then Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah says to him, Akiva, malcha itil hagada. And Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah says to him, what are you doing with hagada? Right? Agada meaning everything that's not halacha. Meaning this is not your expertise. Kalach midabrotecha etzel negaim ba'aholot. Just go back to your expertise of negaim ba'aholot. Now, Nagaim, which is what blemishes, right? It's an issue of tumantara and oholot. Also, tumantara is like the most difficult, you know, pikeyun uh, details of halacha. Rabbi Kiva is an expert, and everybody acknowledges that. And Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah says to him, "Go back to that." And he says, "Really, what we've got here is um, a, a chair and a footstool, right?" Uh, um, for the throw, right? The chair is to sit upon and the shrafraf, the footstool is to rest his feet. And then again, we've got a verse that says basically exactly that, that the heavens are the kisei, that they're the chair, the throne, and the earth is the to rest to rest his feet upon. Obviously, we have, again, anthropomorphism here. But again, we have here Rabbi Akiva twice now rebuked. He takes the, the he takes the rebuke from from um, Rabbi Yosi Aglili, and then he has to hear it again from Rabbi Lazar Ben Azaria. Poor Rabbi Akiva, you know who who often enough makes forays into into agada and and is rebuked. So I found I find these agadot themselves to be very powerful and poignant. You know, understanding or or an attempted at understanding what is God's role behind the scenes here in terms of creating angels with his words and having a throne to sit upon and so on. Um, and also we have this interaction between Chazal, uh, in particular with this rebuke to Rabbi Akiva. Right. And we see Rabbi Akiva rebuke sort of throughout Gemara. Like, this is a particular theme that we see. And I wonder if it's a, he was very innovative. B, if it's a little bit always a knock on how late he came to learning, not having yichas, that they feel they can critique him more than, let's say, some of the other Tanayim. It's probably a combination of both, but this sort of criticism that we see leveled uh, always seems a little particular to Rabbi Akiva and not to some of the other Tanayim. Um, I'm going to move I on. I think that's true. I, I, we'll, have to think of, we'll have to keep an eye for that, but I think it is true. It's yeah, certainly he, for this he point. Gets criticized. He, the other Tanayim do not get criticized. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, a story here about sort of not learning the Master Merkava. And there's a brisik, long brisik that the Gemara brings. Tanu Ravanan, Maseh Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So there was a story of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Shayarochiba Chamor Vayama Lechader, who's riding on a donkey and going along the road. For Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, Mechamer Acharab. Rabbi Elazar ben Arach was walking behind him, or he was started, he was like guiding, uh, was guiding the actual donkey. Now, I think this is an interesting story just in terms of, uh, setting it up because Rabbi Elezer ben Azariah is real, uh, sorry, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, we really would consider to sort of be one of the earliest Tanayim. You know, he's the one who really, uh, I will always remember, you know, says basically, give away Yerushalayim, tamely yavna v'chachmeha, and really reimagines what Judaism is going to look like after the destruction of the, uh, you know, of the Beit HaMikdash. Rabbi Elazar ben Arach is basically one of his, you know, one of his first, uh, he's one of his first Talmidim. So it's an important thing to know 
that uh, there's sort of a, um, uh, you know, a dynamic that's going on here uh, between Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and sort of his, let's say, one of his earliest Talmudim is Rabbi Elazar ben Arach. Um, and the other thing is to know is that he is sort of known for sort of some of his mystical interpretation of Tanakh. So it's interesting that they are having a discussion. There's a Gemara in Chagiga, Yerushalmi Chagiga, that also talks about some of his interpretation skills. So it's interesting to see that sort of this comes up, this particular interaction around the Maser Merkava. Um, and so what happens? Amar Lod, right? So Rabbi Lezer ben Arach says to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi, my teacher, teach me one parak about Maser Merkava. Amar Lo, he says to him, he says, no, I have not taught you. Have I not taught you? Right, which is basically what our Mishnah says, that you cannot, you know, uh, learn the Maser Merkava in a class of, of one. Unless that student is a scholar who could have arrived at the understanding by himself. Amar lo, so Rabbi Elazar ben Arach says, Rabbi, right? Let me teach you something. So in other words, all right, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh is not going to teach him, but he's going to start by teaching him something. Amar lo and more. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh says to him, speak. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh gets off the donkey. And he wraps himself in a garment and sits upon a stone under an olive tree. Okay, so you sort of can visually, uh, you know, understand this. But I think there's a lot of symbolism here, right? Like the idea of him, you know, wrapping himself, like, is he wrapping, we'll see from the rest of the story, be wrapping himself in a way to protect himself, right? What is the olive tree uh, sort of uh, symbolize? So some of them, first should say it symbolizes like the light of Torah. Um, and Amar Lo, and so Rabbi Elazar ben Arach says, Rabbi, my teacher, why'd you get off the donkey? Amar, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakei says back, and so he says, is it possible that you're going to you know, learn the Master Merkava. So this is interesting. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai basically just told Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, I'm not going to teach you the Master Merkava. Then Rabbi Elazar ben Arach says, oh, let me teach you something. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai understands he's just going to go ahead, Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, and want to talk about Master Merkava anyways. And so he basically says, I can't do that while I'm on a donkey. And the Shekhinah is with us. In other words, what I think Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is saying is, is that there are certain topics that when we learn it, they're so holy that it's almost like the Shekhinah is actually with you. And the ministering angels accompany us. And I should be riding a donkey. And so right away, Rabbi Elazar ben Arach goes ahead and starts trying to learn the Maser Merkava. Now, again, I think what he's doing, Rabbi Elazar ben Arach, is he's trying to prove to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai that he is a Chacham, right? Right. If he can be, if he can darshan it himself, then he's basically proving to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai that he's capable of learning it on his own, and therefore he would actually be worthy for Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai to teach it to. What happens? A fire comes from the sky. They surround all the trees that are in the field. Um, all the trees then begin to sing. What's the sing they the song they say? Right, um, So this is a patsuk from 
Tehillim chapter Kuf Mem Chet, um, and you, and it basically says right that uh, praise Hashem from the earth, sea giants and all the watery depths, fruitful trees and all the cedars. Hallelujah. And then an angel spoke up from the fire and said, This is certainly the Maser Merkava, right? And so it seems to be that there's like an angel that gets created, right? By, uh, uh, by, this, uh, by, by his explanation, by his learning of the Maser Merkava. Now, again, you would obviously, the commentaries, many of them take this the whole story in a very sort of a symbolic way. Um, and, you know, you can, uh, it, it's interesting to see what a lot of them do with this. Finally, um, Ahmad Rabbi Yochanan uh, ben Zakkai Unishaku al Rosho. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai gets up, he kisses Rabbi Lazar ben Arach on his head, Ba'amar Baruch Hashem, Elokei Israel Shanatan ben Abraham Avinu. And he basically says, Blessed is Hashem, God of Israel, has given a son to our forefather Abraham. Right, that you know, this is this type of learning that he did with the Master Merkava, Rabbi Lazar ben Arach. It is directly connected to Abraham Avinu, and I think the meaning here is is that Abraham Avinu, if we say he's the father of monotheism, was sort of really able to recognize the deep mystical truth of the universe that nobody before him was able to deduce. And Rabbi Lazar ben Arach, by able to explain the Master Merkava on his own, is linked now to this, you know. Uh, to this ability that Avraham Avinu had. Um, and then he says, right? Who knows how to comprehend, delve into and expand the Master Merkava. There are those who expound well, but do not practice well. Those who practice well, but do not expound well. But you, you Rabbi Elizabeth, you do both. You expand well and you practice well. How fortunate are you, Abraham Avinu, that Rabbi Lazar ben Azar came from your loins? And when this was all said to Rabbi Yoshua, he and Rabbi Yossi were walking on the road. Amru, they said, right? They, because they also were students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So they said to each other, I don't need drash from Asamirkava, okay? We also can explain the Master Merkava. Patach Rabbi Yeshua B'Darash V'otoyom T'Kufat Tammuz Hayah. So Rabbi Yeshua starts explaining Master Merkava. It's Tammuz then, meaning it's the summer, there's no rain. Nitkashu shamayim ba'abim b'nireh kemim kesha ba'anan. And what happens? The sky is thickened with the cloud and something like a rainbow appeared within the clouds. Now, this, you know, kesha ba'anan, okay, First of all, seen in the Master Merkava, and it's also seen with Noah, right? The after, you know, the brit that's made with Noah afterwards is the Keshav Anan. The Keshav, yes, we love rainbows, but it's not always necessarily a good symbol. It sometimes means that God saved us from destruction. So the fact that there's a Keshav Anan when Rabbi Yeshua is learning the Master Merkava may not actually be a good thing. Right, the ministering angels were gathering, coming to hear the Master Merkava. The same way people come and gather to see the festivities that are performed before a bride and a groom. Afterwards, Rabbi Yosiah Cohen went to see pairs of Arim Lifnei Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and he told Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, you know what happened. But Amar. 
And so Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaki says, How fortunate are you and how fortunate are those who gave birth to you? How fortunate are my eyes that have thus seen. And furthermore, I and all of you in my dream, we were seated at Har Sinai. Okay? So uh, what he basically is saying is, is that what's the significance here of Har Sinai, right? Har Sinai is where the Torah is given. We have this idea that sort of every neshama, every Jewish soul was actually there. But I think what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is talking about more is, is here is somebody who's living through a very tumultuous time. The entire sort of idea of what Judaism is going to look like is shifting. Again, we don't know if this is before the Chorban Bayit or after the Chorban Bayit, before the destruction of the temple or afterward, but everything is really shifting. And to see that sort of the Masa Merkaba is able to be explained by his Talmidim, it is a direct connection to Harsinai. What he is basically saying is that Masoah of Harsinai has not been destroyed, even though things, you know, things are, you know, it's a very tumultuous time. Um, and then he said, to, uh, um, right, and then a heavenly voice comes, you know, comes to us from Shamayim, Alulakan, Alulakan, ascend here, ascend here, Targlin Gedolim Umasaot Naot Mitsuot Lachem. Large dining halls with elegant couches are prepared for you. You and your disciples and the disciples of your disciples are all invited to the third division, right? So the third division is, is that there's this idea that there are three divisions with those who sort of study Torah, right? The first one is just those who do sort of, they're just a very basic studying of Torah. They just are happy to learn what the simple meaning of Torah is. The second is those who actually look to see the wonders or the guidance of Torah, the light of Torah. And the third are those who have actually mastered the secrets of Torah. And that would be like the Maser Merkava. So, you know, I think we have a story here where, first of all, we see the students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai fulfill what the Mishnah taught us. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai does not teach them the Maser Merkava. These are students who come to it on their own. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai praises them. And particularly in the story with Rabbi Yoshua, he makes this connection to Harsinai. Remember, Harsinai is the Torah Shabbat. It's the connection to our Mesorah. And yet what he's basically saying is, is that Rabbi Yoshua's ability to explain the Master Merkaba is connected to that act of Harsinai. Rabbi Elazar ben Arach is connected to the belief of, uh, of Avram Avinu. And so I think this emphasizes that understanding the Master Merkava is sort of, it's a foundational text of faith. It's a foundational text to understanding our relationship with God. He connects them with, you know, a foundational person, Abraham, a foundational event of Harsinai, but yet he does not teach it. He makes the student have to learn it on his own. And I think that's sort of ultimately the lesson that we learn about the Master Merkava. It's just not something that's taught. It's something you have to be able to understand on your own. And I think this goes back to the discussion that we had the other day about exactly this, right? Where somebody comes and says, you know, here, I'm ready to teach you, right? It has to be taught in broad strokes to only the people who are most fit for it. And then, you know, when that person, for example, says, no, no, I'm not ready. And then Rabbi Yochanan passed away at that time, right? So I feel like here is the example of where he does do the teaching, but it's in the broad strokes and it's really there for you to flesh it out for yourself. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. 
Let us know what you thought about this bath on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.